Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's going on, everybody? It's back. NFL season, two days away, and we've got the first, the inaugural NFL strategy show right here on YouTube.com slash Awesomeo. Of course, the Awesomeo.com NFL strategy show. I'm Dave Lockwood. With me, Ben Rossa. I don't think we did a single strategy show together last year, but every Sunday, we bang out the deeper dive. And then Sal Vetri returning from last season. Sal, we did the uh, Tuesday show every single week together and uh, had a pretty good time. So I'm looking to run this back with you fellas. Yeah, I mean, this was the inaugural show for me, I think. I think a Tuesday show, me and you, first show on Osmo. So yeah, it feels good. It feels a lot better this year to have this back. Ben, you are uh, an internal pessimist, eternal pessimist, and I will hold this against you forever. You convinced uh, half the, the DFS population that we would have no sports, that we would have no football. But look where we are, fella. We had good old BYU and Navy last night sweating. Well, there wasn't really much of a sweat. No sweat, yeah. Uh, yeah, a little bit of college football. Now we got NFL back in action. How do you feel? I feel great. Um, it's incredibly difficult to juggle all these sports, but you know what? I wouldn't want it any other way. It's, it's exciting. A uh, ton to get into, but I am even though I am a huge pessimist, I am very happy to see so far that everything seems like we are primed and ready for week one. We're very happy to have everyone with us for this first show. We're going to be running this throughout the week. Uh, Monday, Monday is going to be the, uh, the Monday morning quarterback show. It's a lot of. Muffy, what have you done? Is he gone? He's frozen on my end. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say it's not me. You normally I break the streams, but Lafay has broken it. <laughs> You're back, Lafay. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry, guys. I get super frustrated when I'm trying to hit something solid here, and 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 it, and it cuts out. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I'll say this much: something's up with Zoom. If I cut out, Ben, just take over. Oh, I'll take okay? over. Don't worry. Uh, we'll be talking anyway. college football by the end of this. If I have my wife, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. We're going to be doing the uh, NFL strategy show every day of the week, uh, running back everything from Sunday's slate, talking about it from a Monday perspective, looking at who won tournaments, um, you know, breaking down what the winning strategies were. Tuesday, take a first look. Wednesday, go over uh, the ownership projections. And then Thursday, we'll do 
uh, matchups, Friday, final look along with Saturday. So we got everything coming to you. Uh, stick with us throughout the season. You guys ready to dive into this? Yeah. All right. So, Ben, I'll start with you. Quarterback position, it's super deep for week one. There's there's no doubt about it. There's a lot here. If you're on DraftKings and you're just looking at the top uh, the top priced options, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady. I know you're a Brady hater, but given the status of this game with the highest total on the slate, at least tied for it, you could make an argument for all of these guys to be viable in week one. Oh, no doubt. I mean, quarterback each week is extremely deep. There's a ton of options. We don't have Mahomes, but other than that, most of the big names are here. And the, the first thing that stood out, and I, I was interested, you know, you knew Lamar would be first, but it was like by how much? Uh, looking at DraftKings, he's at $1,100 gap between him and Russell Wilson. So he's almost an island price. So your step one is, do you want to go with him or, or, or are we going with kind of, you know, where it's more bunched up? For me, it's such a deep position. I tend not to spend up at quarterback and I'll probably employ that strategy again this week. It is kind of interesting though, Sal, we have our first run of ownership projections at awesome. And this is going to change. We know throughout the week, this will change quite a bit, especially in week one, but the highest owned quarterback right now is Lamar Jackson at 8,100. Uh, the highest owned running back right now is Christian McCaffrey at 10,000. And the two highest owned wide receivers are Michael Thomas, uh, well, Devontae Adams at 7,300 and Michael Thomas at 9K. Not to not to, to, to get off topic here talking quarterbacks, but as of now, ownership is coming in pretty heavily on all of the highest priced guys that have pretty considerably or pretty significant gaps between their price and the next highest priced player at their position. Yeah, it's it makes some sense because, look, you get these prices from a month ago, so there's just so much value that you can choose up for whatever position you want to. So a lot of people are probably going to choose the McCaffreys, the Michael Thomases, because it's almost it's so easy to build those lineups with them. Uh, and then you lead to just more lineups with Lamar in it as well when you have salary left over and a combination of some of those guys. But, yeah, like Lamar is going to probably be many people's highest projected player uh, from that standpoint. But if he's going to pick up that much ownership, and just in general, like on an early look, I kind of x them out of a player pool for me there was like five or six more guys that just graded out better. So at $8,100, like Ben touched on the gap of the difference of it. Like if he's $7,500, 77 touching this 8k range was things that we were seeing last year towards the middle of the year from him. I'm just not going to get there that much. Actually just from a game flow standpoint, I actually like the Browns a little bit more than probably Vegas is indicating in this one. So I'm probably going to be full off of Lamar um, at the ownership too. Yeah. I like the Browns and this will be Ben can, Ben can attest to this for both of us. It'll probably be the death of us this season. Uh, right. Now to be fair, I've not been a huge, I haven't been on the hype train, but I'm, I'm, I'm piloting the hype train or plane for the Cleveland Browns this year. I, I really like them. What about Baker Mayfield then Ben and this one? It's, it's a tough spot because I think you have to be careful with who you're stacking if we get word, I want to know what it looks like as far as the Marlon Humphrey matchup goes. He made life very difficult for opposing receivers last year. Uh, but you have Jarvis Landry. You have Odell Beckham Jr. You have Austin Hooper. They have a stable of weapons on this offense that even against the good Baltimore Ravens defense should be able to put some work in. And not only that, you have Nick Chubb in the run game. Uh, and you have Kareem Hunt also in the backfield. That's a very viable pass catching back. I think that Baker Mayfield with Kevin Stefanski has to be better than last year because he can't be worse. And they have surrounded him with a ton of options. 
I know it's a really tough matchup, but does does Baker Mayfield bounce back this season given the amount of options he has surrounding him? I mean, it's uh, not to be too dramatic, but I do believe it's kind of now or never for him. Uh, he is everything that you could ask for, and they need to have a successful season. So, you know, looking at the DFS slate, I'm not going there just because I, I really do respect this Baltimore defense. And it's just so hard to, you know, if you like the Browns, okay, you can target them, but then you have to pick which one of those five or six weapons is going to get there. Cause we know they're all not getting there. Um, so it's just a really tough task. Although I do like the Browns for the season, we've talked about this and I like them getting eight in this game. Uh, I don't think I'm going to go to Baker per se. I'll let other people chase that. Yeah. Bet, uh, MGM had them at nine, but I can't bet there in Pennsylvania. Yeah, that, if you can get nine, right now. I would take that right now. Yeah, I would. I would take eight. I, I don't know. It's a it's a strange spot for sure, Sal. Because, like, once again, th- they've made some improvements to their offensive line, but then you could also make the argument that last year Baker Mayfield in a clean pocket was one of the most inaccurate passers and threw some of the most interceptions without pressure. But it does feel like adjustments have been made here. I am buying into it. I wish I wasn't, but I am. Uh, the the biggest question kind of um, the, the the biggest question kind of goes to what Ben was saying. Do we trust them in Week One at what should be a relatively low owned game that actually has a, a pretty decent total? Yeah, in terms of like Baker, I I don't think I have to get to the price point that like six K range right around there, a couple hundred dollars above and below. There's a lot of strong options. Baker's probably not one of them for me on the entire season though. We're just looking at it from where he can succeed. Yeah, you touched on the offensive lines a lot better. Skafanski coming over, maybe he will implement. A lot of people thinking some don't. Minnesota's offense there, but Baker's best asset last year wasn't a lot, but it was play action passing, and that's exactly what Skafanski's going to try and open up. You had Odell dealing with a sports hernia surgery all of last year, which kind of explains his down year, and he still went over a thousand yards. So, yeah, I think the the prospects look a lot better uh, for them. That's why I think we're all kind of leaning towards that the the plus eight number, plus nine number on the Brown side. But for Baker against the secondary, still it's still brutal. Marlon Humphreys moved into the slot like midway through the year, and Landry was like one of the only guys to actually have success against him. So, if anything, like that's a spot I would look to, but not Baker overall. The one game, too, that, that that really stands out, Sal, stick with you here, is New Orleans and Tampa Bay. Now, this also feels like it could be a little bit trappy for a couple of reasons. One, you're going to be paying a premium for a lot of players in this game. If you're going with the Drew Brees-Michael Thomas stack, it isn't to say it's not doable. It certainly is. Uh, but it's going to be very popular. Tampa Bay defensively was ranked number one in run defense last year. Their passing defense was garbage. And Jameis Winston put them in a lot of you know unenviable situations as well. But the, I, I can't imagine any way that this game doesn't end up being extremely popular from, from all angles. Even Alvin Kamara is, is coming in with the second highest projected ownership on the slate, which is actually a little bit surprising to me. I, I know he's cheap, but... This is a Tampa Bay defense that has really swallowed up opposing running backs in the run game and forced them to be used as an extension of the run. So as of now, it's getting ownership. It's going to be interesting. Most of it's on the New Orleans side. How do we tackle this one if it continues to get this much ownership throughout the week, as we know these NFC South games generally do? Yeah, you're seeing just... Nice totals, especially on that New Orleans side of it. And I think that's a side that I would get to a decent amount of. You have the problem on both sides. Like, all the weapons are pretty expensive. But I think the guy who probably unlocks where most of my stack exposure from New Orleans comes from is probably going to be Emmanuel Sanders. 
Um, not really sure who they're going to have on him, whether it's Bunning, whether it's Carlton Davis, but you just get a nice price discount off of the Michael Thomases. You can still then pair that up with one of Thomas or Kamara. A lot of lineups probably then go Kamara from there. So yeah, in all those stacks, I would run it back with somebody, but it's just an expensive just team to stack. Uh, and I think there's teams that have similar totals, have similar overall pace spots that look a little bit better and even game environments from both sides of it. So I would lean to New Orleans more to get stacks and a lot of it's going to be unlocked. Every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. From Emmanuel Sanders, Drew Brees just in a vacuum. I'd, I'd rather go down to like the the mid to low six scary range we're about to get to instead of paying up for like the sixty eight hundred dollar tag. Ben, I, and by the way, we're we're doing a little bit of positional talk here, but it makes it a little easier when we can start with the, the quarterbacks and, and we'll work into the game itself. Talk a little bit about it, uh, the, the game stacks here because that's what we're all here for, right? If you're looking to win tournaments, uh, it's going to put you in a position to succeed. And we'll have a lot more throughout the week to really cover everything. But uh, as a first look, it's always it's best to look at what games are the most appealing. It, sticking with this game, though, it, I, I think running it back, assuming you are stacking this, Ben, with Chris Godwin seems to be a, a strong play. And, and I understand that he's getting some ownership right now, not a ton, like 7% on DraftKings. Evans is coming in around 5 But this is a Saints team that is absolutely locked down Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore has given him a, a miserable experience over the years. And Chris Godwin usually is the beneficiary here. I think you could see more of that in this spot, not to mention, and I know you're not a Tom Brady guy, but Julian Edelman, who was with Tom Brady last year, ran like 73% of his snaps out of the slot. Godwin ran almost 70% of his routes out of the slot. All of his yards, not all of them, but the large majority of his yards were created after the catch. Only Michael Thomas had more yards after the catch, and he played two more games than Chris Godwin. So I think if there's one guy that can thrive with Tom Brady, a quarterback, assuming that he doesn't have the deep ball and it wasn't just an issue of lacking players to run deep routes in New England, that, that Chris Godwin can really thrive in this offense. He's my favorite pass catcher for the season for Tampa Bay. And in week one, if we're going to see more Lattimore on, on Mike Evans. He, he makes a lot of sense. There's no doubt. Um, I think he meshes the best with Brady, but this is a game people are going to gravitate. You mentioned NFC South highest total. Uh, it just has the feelings of a shootout. I'm not saying I'm not there, but for me, I will go other places. It's just very hard you're allocating a ton of salary for these stacks. And, and it, even if you do that, you're left with the obvious punt plays, which will get to the massive value. It's really hard to leverage that in a gigantic field. So uh, you've got Breeze and Brady. Matt Ryan is sitting between them in the pricing. He, he draws the Seattle team. He is at home in the dome. Uh, I don't even mind pivoting there or as Sal talked about. There's a lot of quarterbacks where you can save some salary and go down. You get some mobility, you get some rushing upside, which we know that Breeze and Brady don't have. Uh, to me, in, in a slate like this, week one, I'm going to let other people draw. You know, it's a high total, but it's not like, oh, that total's 57 and every other For one sure. is 45. It's a couple points north of everyone else. So, not a big deal. It's in the grand scheme of things, it's pretty negligible, actually. It's meaningless. It really is. And 
I think both teams will have improved defenses this year. Again, Tampa Bay is going to struggle uh, in the secondary, at least more than they will on, on the ground. Uh, their, their, their run defense is really spectacular, and I don't see any reason that would change much. Uh, meanwhile, New Orleans has done a very solid job across the board. So I wouldn't be surprised that this game is a disappointment. I do like Godwin just as an individual play. Uh, I'd say I agree with you that if you're stacking this game heavily, it's probably going to funnel you into many of the same lineups and much of the same value. Um, does 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 Seattle and Atlanta stand out as another game that's going to be very popular to you, Sal? Because I think this likely this will likely stand out as one of the more popular games to a lot of people for a number of reasons. Higher total, uh, Matt Ryan to Ridley to Julio Jones to Hayden Hurst. There are a lot of ways that you can make this work, which means it could be popular, but you could also get creative with it as well. Yeah, like if I'm paying up for one of the games to stack more often, it's going to be that game. We're just playing in general. It's going to be Seattle and Atlanta. It's just easier to stack through. So Russell Wilson in a vacuum, I think I prefer right now over Breeze and, and Tom Brady alone. But then you get easier stacking options. DK Metcalf, I mean, they signed Josh Gordon. That might hurt DK a little bit, but nothing major. Tyler Lockett, they're both appropriately priced. They're fairly priced and they're clear stacking options. And then on the opposite side of it, you have a situation in Atlanta where you just mentioned all of them. I mean, there's so many options. If you really want to pay up, you have Julio and then you just have uh, so many weapons from, I mean, all the way down to Russell Gage, Hayden Hurst, Calvin Ridley, the one who's probably going to be picking up the most ownership just where his price point is. I like it a good amount. And then also Seattle's defensive line, it's not going to be that great. And now they lose Clowney, right? They weren't really planning on resigning him much, but they're not going to have him coming into this game. You have finally a healthy, what it seems like Atlanta offensive line. They got that back for like the final one or two games last year, a healthy O-line, some of their first round picks. So from last year. So yeah, I think that Atlanta's the side that sticks out the most easier to stack overall. But if I'm picking between one of these like 50 point total, 49 point total games, it's probably this Seattle, Seattle and Atlanta one. There's so many options on this side of the, on both sides of the ball in this one, Ben, uh, you know, I'm, I'm big, I'm very big on Calvin Ridley this year, drafted him in, in our awesome league yesterday. Uh, I think you're going to see a, a ton of, I think this is the breakout year from Calvin Ridley for a number of reasons. One being, I don't think Hayden Hurst is going to completely supplant Austin Hooper with almost 100 targets. And two being that Calvin Ridley, while the yardage hasn't been there, his touchdowns have been insane. It's a volatile stat. There's no question about it. It's unpredictable. But he's a very talented receiver. He's going to get worked into this offense far more. And I think it's going to be one of the most lethal passing offenses in the league. Nobody averaged more pass attempts per game than Matt Ryan last year. So it stands to reason that we see a lot of offense on both sides. Um, how does somebody like Todd Gurley play into this? That's the unknown. Um, I think it's a great ad for them, but how he fits into this offense in terms of priority, how they utilize him, we just don't know. Uh, I do think there's a chance he doesn't have much left. I think there's a chance that he could rekindle what we saw when he was dominant with the Rams. So that's something that you want to buy early if you have a scenario that you want to play into. I do think, though, that Matt Ryan and just this game as a whole, uh, Sal spoke about this, the ability to stack and be flexible is huge. Uh, you're not funneled to certain players in other games. You have a lot of ways you can do it. And this Seattle-Atlanta game is certainly my preference of the two that we discussed that will probably get uh, the majority of eyeballs on the slate. What about Carson Wentz, Ben, in this game against Washington? The the Eagles have a, a relatively high total. I actually thought it would be a little bit higher than it is, 24.25. They're laying six points against the uh, the football team, and you're going to have to forgive me if I slip up on that one. I promise, not intentional. Uh, Carson Wentz, though, 
will be without Jalen Rager. He will have Deshaun Jackson. He'll be without Alshon Jeffrey. You still have Carson, or you still have Zach Ertz. You still have uh, Dallas Goddard. Miles Sanders should be good to go. And then it is a possible spot where you can run it back with Terry McLaurin. Uh, Antonio Gibson should be. We have his, his ownership at seven percent right now. I can't imagine that doesn't come up a lot. So I, I don't know. Maybe this game actually ends up being relatively popular because. Uh, on a rare occurrence, you can actually run back a stack with, or you can run back a stack against Washington with a few Washington players and actually feel okay about it. Right now, McLaurin's getting decent ownership, but um, Carson Wentz, is he someone that stands out to you at his price? I think he's someone that I, I may look to more in a cash setting. Uh, I have a feeling, you know, the floor seems pretty stable. He kind of just does what he does. Similar to Tyrod Taylor, who's he's much cheaper, but he's got a great matchup. I expect him to kind of do his thing. Not a huge volatile player, just someone that's going to secure the position for you. So I'm not staunchly against guys like that. But if we're talking about, you know, large field tournaments where you're either looking to roll the dice or you want more of a, like, can, can someone get me 35? Well, to do that, you need a good game environment, you need back and forth scoring. You need a lot of things to happen. Uh, I'm not sure I go there for that just because of the football team's uh, ineptitude. I don't mind running it back with one guy, but I don't really see a shootout uh, coming into play in a game with a total of 43 and a team that's struggling on the Washington side. Sal, do you feel the same way? I think I, I think I like Wentz a little bit more. I probably have him a drop below Matt Ryan in, in that game with Russell Wilson, but nothing crazy. It's the price point that's going to get me a little bit more onto Wentz. And I would say the biggest concern is the Eagles offensive line a little bit shaky right now. Injuries moving around Peters and some guys in the line. And you had Washington probably being like a top five front seven and defensive line before they drafted Chase Young. So that's where it gets a little bit scary. If they give him any type of protection, though, you have Zach Ertz at a fair price point, especially since these prices came out a month ago. You can say the same about pretty much everybody. Deshaun Jackson, Dallas Goddard. It's so easy to stack him. You get to see a nice overall team total. So I think Wentz is where I start to really like the quarterbacks on this slate, right around that $6,300 price tag, and then the guys that we're about to get into. So, yeah, I think I like Wentz a little bit more there. He probably slides in as like a, a sixth, fifth or sixth option this week. Are you willing to to roster him in, in the same lineups as Miles Sanders? Uh, and, and I want to to add on to what you're saying about the offensive line. They brought Jason Peters back, and I don't think that was necessarily something they were really looking to do. They lost Andre Dillard, uh, and they had to move Jason Peters around on the offensive line. He actually requested more money as a result. But the that could you could see that, and it, it's hard to predict something like this, Sal, and I, I don't want to do it, but I want to throw out kind of all options here, all, all potential uh, options here. Miles Sanders could be used a lot more getting the ball quickly out of Carson Wentz's hands if this becomes an issue because he is a playmaker and he is somebody that's going to be able to move the chains if necessary, if they can't protect Wentz. You're right. That is the biggest issue here. The biggest concern is will that front seven for Washington be able to get to Carson Wentz enough? I do think, though, that Carson Wentz is uniquely um, equipped to be able to escape from pressure. We've seen him do it many, many times. And he has someone like Miles Sanders to be used as a safety valve as well. That They might be able to move the football regardless, but it's definitely a concern. Yeah, and 
I, I will be putting uh, Sanders in like any type of groups. I already did it this morning. I think I have both tight ends in there. And then a couple of the receivers starting with Sean Jackson, J. Jaws in there. And then Miles Sanders is in there. You have like different correlations with a, a, a quarterback to his running back. How often, like how many catches is it going to be? Is it going to be how many targets? Miles Sanders is a plus there. Not as much as like an Austin Eckler of an Alvin Kamara, but he's enough that, yeah, you can see five or six targets out of Miles Sanders and you're not shocked. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And then there's correlation as long as they can link up for some sort of touchdown to win a tournament. So, yeah, he'll be in the combinations there. The mobility for Wentz definitely helps and I'm not expecting like rushing yard upside but I think it's at least there to uh, have a little bit of a bonus one of my favorite stats too to justify this is uh Miles Sanders had the third most receptions of 20 plus yards last, last year he had eight of them behind only Eckler and White uh he can line up outside too uh, you'll see Miles Sanders line up pretty much everywhere so I don't mind it and it, I do think it's going to be somewhat predictable in what people run as far as lineups go because it's McLaurin and it's Antonio Gibson, and that's pretty much it, Ben. Um, you're not going to get a lot of diversity on the Washington side of the football running it back with Eagle stacks. It's just simply not going to happen. That that would be the one thing to, to consider. Yeah, you're going to have to, you know, people who, who stack this game, it's going to be a lot of overlap. Most people are going to be heavy on the Eagle side. I'd be pretty surprised to see people do it the other way where they're running it back with a Miles Sanders or with one Eagle, uh, just because right. it, it's a much tougher ask for the game to go that way. But at the same time, you know, Philly does have, have a ton of weapons that you can build around and you don't need to leverage in every position. We talk about that a lot on these shows and we will throughout the year. You just have to be unique as a whole. You don't have to be unique with every single position. So don't be afraid to buy into some chalk here and there if if you really like it. Uh, I, so I have to throw this out before we move on to running back and chat. We're going to have a lot of hot takes on this show. Uh, we got a lot of people watching too. So I'm going to pull Josh Engelman and ask for some likes before I give a real bad, possibly egregious take. <laughs> I am considering in large field tournaments, looking at Trubisky. Uh, this is a guy who, listen, as bad as his floor is and it's non-existent, it's seven games last year of 20 or more DK points. That's basically a virtual flip. He has some rushing upside. He draws a Detroit team that I think is, you know, average at best. Indoors, I don't think it's that crazy. He's going to be extremely low owned for obvious reasons. You can match him up with Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. You can run it back with Galladay. It is a low owned stack that I am definitely exploring this week. All right. Well. Yeah, that's it for us. It was a good show, baby. Though. 
That is as hot as it gets for week one. But you know what? I expect nothing less, and I love it. And you've won a lot of money doing contrarian stuff, being what different. I can appreciate it. I'm sure you've lost a decent amount on those type of stands, too. Can confirm. <laughs> can confirm. But you know what? You don't. This is a thing that I think sometimes is overlooked. You're not expecting to get a play like that right the majority of the time. But when you do, it pays off enough that it justifies all the misses. And that's really what I'm going for with something like that. We have, by the way, an awesome flash sale going on right now. $2 Awesomeo Plus NFL Weekly Pass. If you use the code Awesomeo Fantasy or just click the link below at Awesomeo underscore com or Awesomeo NFL on Twitter. You got to follow Awesomeo NFL to see it as well. It's a it's a it's an amazing deal. Two dollar weekly NFL pass. So if you're wondering what we've got behind the paywall, ownership, player projections, uh, our, our our lineup builder, all of our premium articles, so much more. Oh, our top stacks. We have a top stacks tool, which is awesome for NFL yeah. as well, not just baseball. It's two dollars. It expires at one p.m. Eastern time today. That's why we call it a flash sale. Go to awesomeo underscore com or awesomeo NFL. Click that link or just use awesomeo fantasy, all one word, when you sign, uh, or I'm sorry, when you check out awesomeo fantasy or check out one of our Twitter accounts. You'll see it. It's the pin tweet. $2 awesomeo plus NFL weekly pass. Why not do that? That's like a third of a cup of Starbucks coffee. All right. Let's keep it moving here. Sal, I heard you talking about some cheaper quarterbacks. Before we get into the sub 6K guys, there's someone I think we really need to talk about. And if we miss any of these guys and I and, and we drop below 6K and you want to hit on them, go ahead and do that. Just override me and start talking about them. But I can't I can't get away from, from Phillip Rivers and the Colts this week. And I know it's tough. Like Rivers' deep ball was so bad last year. But if we put things in context, the guy threw a ton of interceptions, but he still threw for 4,600-plus yards. Mike Williams had a brutal year by all standards and still had a thousand yard season. Uh, Keenan Allen still finished as what, like a top 10 receiver. Hunter Henry, had he played 16 games, would have finished, was on pace to finish as the tight end six. And Austin Eckler obviously was the best pass catching back in the league. I know I'm getting ahead of myself a bit, but Frank Reich is a good coach. This team was very much limited to Jacoby Brissett's skill set and catered the game around him last year. They were without T.Y. Hilton, who is back, has not missed many games at all throughout his career. They've got a Jack Doyle now who doesn't have Eric Ebron to worry about, and they've got some young wide receivers in Philip Dorsett after a disappointing first year and Michael Pittman Jr. I, I think this could be a pretty explosive game for the Colts, but I just really want to see what ownership looks like. If they do get overlooked despite a high total, if they go ignored because no one wants to roster Phillip Rivers in the quarterback spot, I'll probably be all over this. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. I think they'll probably go lower on. I haven't really looked at ownership to start. Mobile quarterback or non-mobile quarterbacks usually get a bump down from a lot of people. But yeah, I, I like Rivers. He's one of right now five guys that I put in like the yes category early on. You obviously know how good the offensive line is there. You know what the defense is that he's going up against. And there's spots to unlock it. Like Paris Campbell's below $4,000. He has a tougher matchup in the slot, but nothing crazy. You have Jack Doyle, who's going to be in the 4K range. And then if you want to go up to T.Y. Hilton, that's the guy that probably wins you a GPP if you're going to get a big performance. So yeah, at $6,000, I'm fine with Philip Rivers. I'm on him. At $6,100 right there, Cam Newton, I think, 
might be the best cash quarterback play a little bit tougher to stack in GPPs. You have like two to maybe three options. If you want to include James white there that you can trust, but I think he's also fine in that spot. Miami did some things, Byron Jones to improve the defense in the secondary. They have a, I would say a secondary that can honestly be like top 10, top 15 this year, but a lot of things have to go right there with Xavier Howard coming back, Nick Neiman. But yeah, that range right there of like 6,000, 6,100 rivers, Cam Newton, I'll even throw Matthew Stafford into there. That's a range that I would expect like a lot of my stacks or, or cash ownership to come from. I love Matthew Stafford this season. I'm worried about him in this specific game. Uh, right. you, Chuck Pagano's uh, uh, defense is basically just they're they're evolving even more this year to fend off the pass and they're putting less guys on the line of scrimmage they're dropping more in the coverage they're going to be playing uh i think it's a what is it a, a the four two five um and it's a little bit concerning knowing that they've got a lot of guys that they can drop into coverage and and make life really tough for opposing uh quarterbacks plus they have two good edge rushers um I don't know. Talk to me about, and then we'll go over to you, Ben, but talk to me about Matthew Stafford, because I think the Bears defense probably sees a big improvement coming off a somewhat disappointing year last season. Yeah, it's, it's, they dropped from like one to like seven or eight. So I would assume they get better. They haven't really lost any pieces. Stafford mainly comes from his projection looks like, okay, for me. So I think he's just going to have a fine game. And then it comes down to if he can do one little extra thing in that game to put him over some of these other guys in the range that likely pick up ownership, whether it's a Carson Wentz, whether it's a little bit more expensive guys and just stacking, it becomes really easy. Hawkinson. And then this week, like when we get into receivers, Kenny Galladay and both Marvin Jones independently, if you want to play in cash or just one-offs in a, in a GPP, they both are very cheap, like five and six K range. So it gets very easy to stack a team that is probably going to throw 35 times, like on average this year, maybe closer to 40. That's what he was doing before he got hurt midway through last year as the number two fantasy quarterback. So it's betting on the lower ownership from him. Um, and just the upside that you can get out of this offense. Okay. I, look, I'm huge on Stafford this year. I love Kenny Galladay. Uh, yeah. I, I think Kenny Galladay's, if Kenny Galladay had a top five season, if Stafford stays healthy, it honestly would not shock me. Uh, I, I think he's really spectacular and someone that can be utilized heavily in the red zone as well. Ben, talk to me about some of these cheap quarterbacks. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, listen, you can make a case for guys like Stafford. Realistically, for me, he may just get squeezed just because of there are so many guys. We've talked about Wentz. We've got Cam. I'm not staunchly opposed to Rivers. I'm definitely more concerned than you that he has nothing left. But if there's a time to play him, it may be right now when we don't know, slash he draws the Jaguars. So uh, no problems with that. I, I don't know how many other guys I need to reach for when you look at, you know, Derek Carr and Minshew. I mentioned Tyrod. I think he's fine. But for, for me, it's just really seeing what type of games I want to target, building those little stacks, and then filling out with, depending if I need leverage or some possible really cheap, obvious plays to round out my rosters. Sal, should we be, should and I actually had some trouble with this one, looking through this game, looking through the slate. Should we be should we be spending a little bit more time on Derek Carr? The, the total on this game has come up. I don't think neither. I don't think either defense is is going to be uh, particularly impressive this season. And, and another thing that's probably worth considering, someone that I have a lot of respect for defensively, is James Bradbury's no longer in Carolina. He is a legitimate shutdown cornerback. He's playing for the New York Giants now. Uh, like I said, the total continues to rise a little bit. I always have trepidation going towards somebody like Derek Carr, but they do have a 25 
12.3 implied total. This game does have a total creeping up to, to 48. The, the pass catching options on this team are, are a little bit difficult to identify, but maybe that makes them a little bit more interesting. Maybe outside of Darren Waller, excuse me, we, we look towards a Ruggs or a Renfro. It's, it's really hard to say, but the, the Raiders do have a 25-plus implied total, and, and Carolina lost their best cornerback in free agency. Yeah, it reminds me a lot, not in like the exact same ways of like last year, Baltimore week one, when there's a lot of question marks, but you knew they had talent on offense. And then like, they just smashed the lights out. Was that the Miami game? Yeah. Hollywood Brown comes out in a similar situation. Like this Carolina secondary is going to be absolutely brutal. Their whole draft was defense. I think all seven picks were defensive players, no offensive players. So, I mean, maybe that helps, but they're all rookies in this type of an offseason. I'm not expecting much week one. And now, yeah, you're getting a really bad secondary with exciting players, but they're young too, right? You have, Darren Waller, who's been in the league for a while, but second year, he's the most consistent piece on the offense. I don't really want to be stacking for upside Hunter Renfro. So then you're banking on Ruggs and or Brian Edwards, some rookies. Yeah, I think like Darren Waller and, and Ruggs stacks and GPPs have upside to them. You know what you could bring back on the other side from Carolina. So he's in a player pool. He's like one of 12 guys right now, car in a quarterback player pool for me. Okay. Yeah, me too. I, I don't, it's it's going to be easy to just go back, run it back with McCaffrey. I, I wonder if there'd be any interest in getting to DJ Moore there, but we'll get into it when we touch on wide receivers, uh, which we already did quite a bit of. Do you guys have anything else at quarterback to hit on? No, no. Um, I, I guess I'll just call out Tyrod Taylor at 5,600, probably more so for cash just because of the mobility. Okay. Yeah, once you get below there, outside of outside of Trubisky, Ben, there, there, isn't, there isn't a ton. Uh, is Trubisky someone that you're talking relatively low ownership on or low exposure to? Is this someone you take some stabs at because he's cheap? Uh, just wrap that up and then we'll go to running back. Yeah, I think a lot of things like that justify the play. I don't have to allocate a massive percentage because I, I can get leverage over the field. And if it tanks, okay, I'm down some lineups, but my portfolio is not trashed. Whereas if for some insane reason, say Trubisky was chalk, Obviously, I would never create leverage over the field there because the blow-up risk is immense. So as a low-owned flyer, uh, he will be part of my player pool when I'm really looking to be different, whereas the guys we talked about at the top are, are much safer and, and much more prudent plays. Sal, at running back, there's a massive drop-off from Christian McCaffrey to Dalvin Cook. A $2,100 drop-off using DraftKings pricing here just you know for more fluidity. Uh, Alvin Kamara at 7,200 Then you've got Eckler at 7k rounding out that 7k plus range. Nobody's in the 8k range. No one's in the 9k range. McCaffrey hits 10k and you've got three at the 7k spot. I'll say this much. The lower to mid 6k range is going to be appealing and we'll get to that momentarily, but let's touch on these top price guys, starting with Christian McCaffrey first. You're muted. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey, it's just, it's it's got to be, I mean, a yes for me at this point. It doesn't really matter what the ownership is. Uh, he's going to be in a player pool, I assume, to have a good chunk of ownership. He's my highest projected player on the slate right now, so it's just hard not to get there. The price point is justified. Point per dollar-wise, it's never going to look like a top play just because there's always going to be cheaper guys, especially week one. So if you're, like, sorting by value and you think he's a bad play, just sort by projection, and then he looks like the best play. So, yeah, he's fine to me. But, yeah, the rest of this range, it starts to get interesting. Um, I really like Josh Jacobs this week. I don't know how many weeks I'm going to like him. He gets to be a three-point favorite. I think it moved to now, maybe even three-and-a-half-point favorite against Carolina. It's an, a fine team total for him. But then you just also get – 
the matchup against Carolina. Uh, like their run defense at the end of the year might be the worst in the league. It might be there with Jacksonville, some of the worst defenses in the league. And you get Jacobs fresh as he can be for the season. The concerns are the pass catching role. Um, you still have Jalen Richard, who they signed behind him. You still have Devontae Booker. I'm not too worried about that. I mean, if you get two or three targets, I'll take that in this week. I'm really more so just pushing for the 100 plus yards on the ground and touchdown upside. So I think I like Josh Jacobs a good amount in that range. I know Kamara is right there. Those are probably the two guys I'm, I'm keying in on the most after McCaffrey. But yeah, it, it's a strong range. Um, probably would rank it after McCaffrey, uh, like a 1A, 1B with, with Jacobs and Kamara. And then I start to, to look towards like Miles Sanders. Man, the whole Kamar conversation is tough for me, Ben, because I don't see Tampa Bay's run defense declining much. Kamara, obviously one of the most involved pass-catching backs in the league, uh, and he's going to have to be utilized pretty heavily here. He's coming in with the second most ownership as it stands, and I, that's a disclaimer, right? Th these will change, so keep an eye on him if you have a sub or if you're going to get in on that flash uh, that flash sale for your $2 weekly NFL subscription and you're looking at ownership, mind you, it will, we will get updates throughout the week. So be aware of that. Alvin Kamara is going to be very, seemingly going to be very popular along with this New Orleans Saints team. Do you see the point to, to, to match the field or even come in over the field on him here under the field? What are your thoughts on Kamara right now? A few days or five days before the season begins on Sunday. The real so season. it's interesting, like you mentioned, you know, Tampa's run defense is very strong, but Kamara is so unique with the way they can get him the ball. I don't know if that really matters. He had such a weird season where he had, he couldn't score, but when he did, he would score twice. He had three multi-touchdown games before the playoffs and he didn't score in any other game. I like it. Obviously I talked about, I'm not nearly as high on Breeze or Brady. It's a game where it's hard to imagine you don't need some exposure. So naturally with my portfolio, I'm going to look to Kamara a little bit to take some of that pressure off and, and hope that I get the right piece of the game. I'm totally in line with Josh Jacobs. He's a little bonus and TD dependent just because he doesn't catch a lot of balls, but he's in a great spot. And then I, I do think you can look to Eckler as well, who's going to catch a ton of passes against Cincinnati and, you know, at, at flat seven, no problem if you want to pay down from McCaffrey and, and save that salary. Okay. And they are, but for anybody wondering, it looks like he's going to play. There were some concerns about that. He had dropped down draft boards a little bit. Uh, it, it appears that Alvin Kamara will be on the field for week one. So worth consider or worth keeping in mind. Maybe something happens where it uh, falls apart, but I don't see that being the case. Ben, uh, Sal talked about Josh Jacobs. I like Jacobs a lot here. Yes, not to, not to be repetitive, the lack of pass catching upside is not concerning, but it leaves a little bit on the table. If Josh Jacobs was a three legitimate three down back uh, in all circumstances, I'd probably be paying like 8K for him in this matchup. That's how much I'd like him. But overall in this tier, it does get interesting. Kenyon Drake against San Francisco, going to be entirely overlooked. It's against a very good defense. Does some of the do some of these lower owned players make any sense to you, whether it be Chubb against a good Baltimore defense, Kenyon Drake against San Francisco? Week one is the most unpredictable week of the season, seemingly every single year. Uh, and there are big surprises on both sides of the ball. So talk to me about this 6K range. Well, there's no doubt there's merit to surprises and taking some shots. I think it, like anything, you want to have a pulse on what you're doing. Is it smart to take 
all eight, nine positions with crazy long shots? Well, no, obviously not. It wants to be a balance with your team. I do think that Nick Chubb in particular, if you think the Browns can win this game, you don't want to go with the passing attack. I mean, he showed, look what they did to Baltimore last year in that first matchup. I'm not saying he gashes them for three touchdowns again, but we know that they have that ability and not a lot of people are going to go there because it's a brutal matchup. So uh, at 6,500, if you want to be different, the fraction of ownership you'll get from Jacobs to Chubb is very interesting in tournaments, even though I like Jacobs better, so does everybody else. No, good points there. And Sal, let's expand on this a little bit. From a strategic standpoint, going to lower-owned running backs in tough matchups can make a lot of sense if you know that they're a bell cow back. For example, let's say uh, Arizona, and I'm not just using Kenyon Drake as an example. We can You can talk about whoever you'd like. Uh, but more from a strategy standpoint, you look at Kenyon Drake last year in week nine against San Francisco. They ended up losing that game. I believe it was on the final drive. It was very late in the game. They lost 28-25. He had 15 carries for 110 yards and a score. Really solid game. He also had four for 52 through the air. Big game for Kenyon Drake in a very competitive game that no one expected to stay close. Uh, And he did that in a number of spots last season where Uh, not just him, but where a lot of other running backs, you would have looked at them and said, I don't want to go there, even though they might be, if the game stays close, a 20-plus touch player. That's what makes lower-owned guys interesting to me, knowing that if the game does stay competitive, when the field thinks it won't, they're going to have heavy involvement for all four quarters. Yeah, and he's, I mean, the guys that you want to get in those situations are the game flow independent guys, the guys that even in a seven point, yeah, seven point underdog spread, you can get Kenyon Drake and know that, okay, he can see six targets, see five receptions in this game, and I'm fine. I'm bailed out. I don't need 100 rushing yards from him. That's what happened with Dalvin Cook last year. He became a guy catching passes, and he becomes, when he's healthy, like a top three running back for fantasy purposes. So, yeah, Kenyon Drake fits that bill. Um, just going down a little bit more, like Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon look really similar. If if they're in that conversation of like middle to low on running backs, I might just go all the way down to like Mark Ingram in the 5K range where he's going to be a pretty big um, just favorite in, in terms of like seven or eight point favorite biggest on the slate. You're not really getting much of a pass catching option, probably similar to Nick Chubb there, but you're just relying on getting like 15 carries and having like three or four red zone carries there. Um, but in that middle range, I think it would probably be at least average or low ownership. I'm not sure what's going to come in yet on guys like probably Todd Gurley and Chris Carson in that Seattle and Atlanta game. And I'd lead more to the Gurley side. I'm just higher on him in general. I think the public goes down on him, which, I mean, you can see Gurley be next week, the highest one guy in the slate if he goes off for 120 yards and a touchdown this week and the price doesn't spike up. So I have, I feel like in the season long space, I've been on him. So I think I'm going to stick with it here week one because the secondary is going to be good for Seattle, uh, adding some players, big names this off season, but their defensive line is not something that I'm worried about. I think Miles Sanders is criminally underpriced in this spot, Ben. And I see you smirking there. You would. <laughs> Look, maybe criminally underpriced is a bit hyperbolic, but let me expand. This guy last year when, when Jordan Howard went down was averaging 20-plus looks per game, okay? He, I, I don't know. It's, I guess it's easy to ignore this, but he had 1,400. He had more than 1,400 yards from scrimmage and he wasn't even utilized heavily early in the season. He is essentially game script proof, as you were talking about, Sal. Now, he's going to get some ownership. I'm not denying that. But against this Washington team, I just don't see any way that Miles that, – I'm not going to say any way that he fails because we've seen it happen countless times. Like Ezekiel Elliott last year against Miami. 
They it, was, it ended up being Amari Cooper against Xavier Howard that was doing all the work. Weird things happen in football, okay? But with Miles Sanders, you're, you're, you're talking about a guy that unless you really believe Doug Peterson is going to run Boston Scott out. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There for 30 snaps per game. Should just get an immense amount of opportunity in both phases of the offense. 6300 to me is a really, really good price against a team that they are favored six points over in the Washington football team. I'm Like I said, I'm not opposed to Sanders. He's certainly someone that's going to make the player pool. I do think that he's a little more volatile than you, though, in the sense that he has slate-breaking ability. You know, he has like a 100-yard receiving upside. But if he only gets four or five targets, they don't turn into anything – can he get there solely on the ground? Uh, I, I think the answer to that is yes, but I don't think it's a guarantee. So the floor to me is a little lower than, than you think. And if ownership creeps up, I will roll the dice with guys like Gurley. I wish going a little further down, I wish the Bills would just, I, I like Zach Moss. I wish they would turn the keys over to Singletary. It looks like that's not going to happen. Uh, that's a team I really wanted to target, but there's some really tough timeshares as we work down in the pricing and it makes it tough to find viable backs with reliable volume. I don't think any of those points are unfair at all. And Sal, one of my concerns with Sanders is that he missed a lot of training camp with that lower body injury. That's something that should he be okay at a running back position, you know, not coming into a rookie season, but his second year. I, yes. I'm not, I'm not super concerned about that. But I guess it, I guess it is one box or one box to check that goes against him. But the the six K range from Gurley to Sanders uh, up to to Jacobs it does have a lot to offer for sure. And and you know even Chris Carson I don't know what his ownership is going to look like, but uh, Chris Carson against Atlanta could could be an interesting option too, assuming he continues to get voluminous work as he did last year in competitive games. The script can get against him. He's not going to get a ton of targets in the passing game, maybe two to three a game. But if this is close or if they're playing with the lead, you're pretty much locking in 20 to 25 carries for Chris Carson, as we saw last season. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I start to like guys like that that are going to be a little bit lower on if I'm trying to find a spot there. I mean, naturally, when there's just so much value across the board for week one pricing coming out early, I'd rather just pay up for all the running backs that I need to secure those touches, secure the receptions. But if you're trying to find just any spot to pivot in ownership or you want to pay up for your stacks and, and the receiving side of that, 
then yeah, I think probably in that range, Carson and Todd Gurley, right around like the 6K flat price point will be the guys that I go to there. I think they're both the workhorses. At least that's what my expectations and projections are going to show. So getting somewhere around like a minimum of 15 touches with the upside of 20 plus. And yeah, they're in a game with a nice environment. They're in a game that doesn't have a crazy spread on it. Uh, those are both guys that I probably lean to probably Gurley a little bit more, but they're both in a player pool for me. They all kind of have slate breaking ability to me and they all can disappoint because uh, right. I don't know what we're getting out of Gurley. Uh, I don't know if Sanders is fully healthy, but if he is, I love him. The 5K range, uh, Ben, gets a little bit dicier. You've got Raheem Mostert, got that new little contract. Uh, Le'Veon Bell against Buffalo, I'm I'm pretty much staying away from that. Mark Ingram, who knows what type of workload J.K. Dobbins gets, but I'm assuming Mark Ingram still gets a lot of opportunity on a massive run-heavy offense. Singletary, surprise. the whole battle with Zach Moss is surprising to me. My take on this is that Singletary still becomes the guy. He was so good last year. Got no we Ben, you and I talked about me. This so often. Like Singletary was phenomenal last year. Amazing. And for some reason, McDermott's like, well, we have Frank Gore, so we don't really need you. It made no sense. And now there's a now there's a potential timeshare or a, a running back battle. What are we what am I missing about Singletary that that apparently other people are seeing? Because I I would take if I had a team, a football team, an NFL team, and someone's like, well, your running back, starting running back has to be Devin Singletary. Like, okay, bring him on. I'm perfectly okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just frustrated because, like, I thought Gore had no business. I'm a big Zach Moss guy. Like, now I think he actually has competition, and it's going to make it even tougher. But this entire range is is really tough because you have got – I mean, you've got Jordan Howard and Breida. You've got just a lot of teams – that have brought in new personnel and it's week one, I'd be pretty stunned if one guy is going to dominate that workload. So for me, I, I do think with running back, I'm not going to try to play the guessing game. There are some spots on some of these teams that we've talked about where I know that the volume is secure. I can be creative in other areas. There's one guy I'm going to expand to him because he's 4,900. Depending on what's going on with Montgomery, Tariq Cohen in that game, he makes an interesting pairing with Trubisky. Uh, you could go to him, electric guy, volume dependent, um, but he's clearly an asset in that passing game. Yeah, he absolutely is. We're still uncertain when it comes to David Montgomery, but there, there's there's something to be had there in, in Tariq Cohen. He's slightly below the 5K mark. So if, if I stay above or in the 5K range for now, it is probably one of the most depleted ranges uh, at the position. Would you agree? Yeah, every single guy is on some sort of a committee, it appears, right. or there's just sketchiness to their matchup, like a Le'Veon Bell. So, like, what I'm looking at is guys who look almost exactly the same in Mark Ingram and Raheem Mostert. Run first offenses last year, huge favorites, but they also have two other guys in their backfield who might see more touches than them. So, it's really hard to want to get there. I'd say that Ingram, again, is probably my favorite play in this range, but you might only get 10 touches out of Mark Ingram, 12 touches, and they can bring in J.K. Dobbins, who they've appeared to like. Gus Edwards is still back there, so... Mark Ingram, I'll just make a note for Marlon Mack. I like Jonathan Taylor a lot more from an overall standpoint, but he had a good camp. He's starting the year as the starter behind and in the offensive line against Jacksonville. Like the best run blocking advantage on the weekend is going to be an Indy. It's just a matter of is Mack going to see like 10 touches and Jonathan Taylor is going to see 10 or is Mack really going to be the starter and get 15 plus? I don't like this entire range at all. Those are a couple of names that look like half decent. Yeah. If there's one, if there's one backfield that has a, a monster game in this range outside of Baltimore. I think it ends up being Indy. 
You talk about the the, uh, the run blocking advantage, but also the concern here is that when you see reports come out of camp, and we've seen a lot of this recently, that Jonathan Taylor looks spectacular. He's getting amazing reviews from everybody, but Marlon Mack is still the starter. That screams timeshare. Uh, yeah. Or it screams Marlon Mack starts and gets like the first series and then Jonathan Taylor comes in and breaks off a couple big runs and closes the game out. I, it, I, I wish there was a little bit more certainty here. Do you think, Ben, there, there, do you think there is an advantage to just throwing a dart at one of these guys and hoping that, that he ends up being the one that puts the numbers up? Or are those prices a little bit too steep? Because I, I think they should both be in the like 4,800 range and not the 57 and $5,300 range. They probably should be, but there are two sides to that because, you know, there are things that can happen in a game and, you know, one of the guys fumbles, say, and now he's taken out and boom, one of them gets going. There are scenarios you're just drawing to a smaller range of outcomes in the sense of you you don't have as many scenarios where you get it. Whereas someone like Josh Jacobs and these guys up top, there are so many ways they can pay off their tags with when you're talking about a timeshare your guy needs to get the good TD variance. He needs to make the most of every carry. He needs to not fumble. Um, the game needs to stay in a positive game script. So it's just more a narrow path, but I still will probably take shots, especially with Indy. They have such a good matchup. And you roll the dice and you hope you get the volume. And you know what else? Naeem Hines is still on this football team. Okay, watch. He'll get the volume. 25 carries. I, I don't think he'll get the carries, no. but I'm saying in third down... And long situations, it's probably not going to be Marlon Mack or Jonathan Taylor. But yep. yeah, if if if, if Naeem Hines comes in and just runs a muck, bell cow, <laughs> no, that's self-exclude territory. If that happens, <laughs> so let's talk about the. Uh, oh, by the way, I'm sure you guys noticed this, but minimum salary at running back is now 4K on DraftKings. Yeah. It's not 3,000 anymore, but wide receiver is 3K. Tight end is 2,500. And then as it stands, defense is 2,000. But if you remember, didn't we see him come down to like 1,500 at times last year? Right? Yeah. 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 So I think that'll be in flux throughout the season, depending on how bad these teams are. No real floor to that. Uh, Sal, let's let's sit on some of these cheap options. I know you mentioned at the top of the show that pricing came out a month ago. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of inaccuracies. But I will say... Outside of Antonio Gibson, I don't know how many cheap running backs I look at and feel really good about him. And then Kurian Johnson definitely stands out, but it is a tough matchup. Where are we going here? Yeah, it's it's like the for me, it's the two backfields that are up in the air. It's it's Washington and Jacksonville that you might get some sort of value out of. I'm really high on Antonio Gibson. I mean, everything that comes out from camp and everything that agent like the big thing for me was what Adrian Peterson lead, said leaving the team. I mean you got to like tip your cap to AP. Like he, some reporters asked for an exit interview and he stops dead in his tracks and he gives them one after he just got cut. And he pretty much says they want a guy who can do all three downs. They want a guy who can play three downs and I'm not that guy. And Antonio has had a great camp. That summarizes what he said. So I'm high on Antonio Gibson the first week. I don't know if that pays off um, in a matchup. That's not the greatest, although you're banking on receptions for him. So yeah, I mean, I have Antonio Gibson in a player pool. I don't expect him to be my highest own guy. 
you have so much value at wide receiver and other positions. I want to just secure like 20 touches or 20 plus touches up top. And you might only get like eight from Antonio Gibson. So that's the risk of it. It's only GPP. Um, you could say like the exact same thing for Chris Thompson. Like maybe you get five or six targets. Maybe you can bring all those in. So that's where I'm at in this range. It's really just Gibson and Chris Thompson. I don't want to mess around with the rest of the backfield here. And like Devin Azigbo or JD McKissick. Uh, it's just, it's hoping that you get like 10 touches at that point when you can get double that for paying like two or $3,000 more. With Antonio Gibson. All right, let, let's 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 have, let's do a little exercise here. Yeah. Let's say this game is close through through the half, and I'll ask both of you guys. Let's say this game's close through the half between the Eagles and the Washington Washington football team, and it's going to be a tough go, boys. Uh, and they are knotted up fourteen to to ten, fourteen to seven. Right, it's close. What does the run distribution look like for carries for the for the for the for Washington if this game stays competitive? Ben and then you, Sal, because we know that in the passing game, Antonio Gibson is going to be used as an extension of the run. We saw you done with Chris Thompson all the time, and Antonio Gibson is very explosive. I still think he sees a good amount of targets, but what does it look like if it's competitive in a divisional game? And Washington is using is is actually pounding the rock with success, which I'm not sure they will. They probably won't. They probably won't. But the problem I have with Washington is they have all unknowns, and I'm sure the coaching staff is searching in the sense they will be giving Bryce Love some looks. McKissick and Gibson, well, their skill set kind of overlaps. Like he can take targets away, uh, so they cannibalize each other. Peyton Barber, it it's really difficult. You're not talking about it's a 60 40 timeshare. You're talking about four guys that eventually one of them will emerge. But right now I'm not playing a guessing game where it's not a coin flip. Uh, you have to get it right amongst a handful of guys. And that's really dangerous. How about you, Sal? Yeah. If, if the game's close in the second half and going into the fourth quarter, I think that's a bad thing for Antonio Gibson, unless he had a huge first half because JD McKissick, in my opinion right now is the best pass catching running back on this team. He might be the best pass protector on this team. He's definitely the veteran presence on the team. Uh, so yeah, I think that McKissick in like a close game down the stretch probably finds himself on the field more. Um, but yeah, I think that there's, there's upside to Antonio Gibson because of if he comes out in the first half and he sees six to seven to eight touches and he's playing well, they're just going to keep him out there if they don't think he's a liability in pass protection. Chris Thompson's interesting. Let, let's close out the position with him. You touched on it a little bit, Sal. I'll, I'll go to Ben. We know that Armstead is out again with, with COVID. And Leonard Fournette, who was used frequently in the passing game last year, you know, not too much success. He he had like a touchdown worth of, of pass of, of receptions in PPR league and yards each each week, but it, it didn't help the team at all. It was very inefficient. Chris Thompson comes in and if he stays healthy probably gets a decent amount of work. He's minimum salary as well. So we do have a few options we can turn to. It's just all of them have some serious warts. Chris Thompson might get five or six actual carries. I don't know Antonio Gibson's involvement in the run game. And then Korean Johnson, who is listed as the starter, should be the starter, uh, especially with DeAndre Swift potentially not playing. Uh, is he, is he, is he going to be active in this game? Do you guys know? I don't. That's it. Um, yeah, I'm not positive. Me neither. Even if he is, Curian's probably going to get a lot of work. If he's not, Curian's going to get all of the work against Chicago. Uh, there's some problems just given the, the defense there. But I'll, I'll let you finish this, uh, 
Ben and then Sal with, with Thompson. And then just lastly on Curion, if Chicago and Pagano do run this offense or defense that we're talking about, and they're going to the four, two, five, I anticipate defensively, even though they have some big bodies on the line, I think they might see a little bit of regression in run defense this year, which actually in a, what should be a competitive game, or at least where Detroit should have the lead. I think Korean Johnson could actually stand out as a pretty good option this week. He might be my favorite lower t- lower 4K player. Go ahead, guys. Yeah, I mean, carry on someone. He's he's in the Singletary bucket where I I'm I really think he's a damn good player. He just seemingly can never either stay healthy or get the right role. Uh, of these cheapies, and I'm not looking to go down here. He's probably my favorite. The Jacksonville situation is such a mess. First of all, DraftKings has a you don't get an O if you have COVID. You see the Armstead thing. He just gets a C19 in red next to his name. <laughs> oh, how about um, that? So he gets a little, little COVID tag, unfortunately, but I'm not going to trust Thompson. We don't know about the touches. I'm not playing James Robinson. That's just not going to happen. So, uh, you know, some situations you just see how they shake out and you react to them. You let other people chase if they want to. That's probably the approach I take with the cheap running backs. Final thoughts, uh, Sal? Yeah, I think it's probably going to end up being Chris Thompson as my favorite down here. And I think he has real upside. I mean, the Colts 2018 when they had a new defensive coordinator have given up the most receptions to running backs. They were first last year, number two in 2018 because of just the zone that they play. And that feeds right into Chris Thompson. They want to play James Robinson and Divine Azebo, so it could get messy. But there's this is a real game where you can see Chris Thompson having like eight receptions. All right. We, we spent more time on running back than we will on wide receiver because we already talked about a lot of them uh, in terms of game stacks. But... Ben, at the top, you've got Thomas, you've got Julio, you've got Adams and, and Godwin and Evans. There are a few guys I really like here. And I actually want to throw DeAndre Hopkins into the mix as well. M- my guess is that DeAndre Hopkins goes very much overlooked. And I don't know if that's the greatest idea. Now, we don't know what his, his chemistry is going to look like with Kyler Murray. But I can say one thing, that Richard Sherman plays one side of the field. Right, we we know that he played ninety percent of his snaps last year were on the left side of the field, and my my very simple assumption here is that DeAndre Hopkins, who moves all around the field, they spread him out. He can line up anywhere. Should actually have a ton of opportunities to to make plays. So, I I think sub seven K is just a really fascinating spot on a guy that is one of the most talented wide receivers we've seen in a very long time. You can go ahead and and kick it off with, with your favorite guys at the top. Yeah. Just to add to that quickly, he's also got a Q tag right now. People don't like to play guys that are questionable. Um, you know, it's just something that we'll have to monitor, but I, I do think he's an interesting tournament play. We talked about these guys, so I won't go too in depth, but Godwin, Julio, these big names, Michael Thomas, Great matchups, great players. If you have the salary, they're kind of like McCaffrey. You just kind of play them if you can, and it makes sense. But looking for how my lineups will actually fall, I'll probably take a balanced approach, and I'll go to those Galladay, Allen Robinson, Ridley's. You know, that that range, when you're talking about the 6K, is loaded with big-time players, and they're just not nearly as expensive as the top-end talent. For sure. I just, what I'm saying is, while we agree on that entirely, and I love that range, I love I love Ridley here. Um, I even think Beckham could be very interesting, sub-6K, but we'll get there. Anytime DeAndre Hopkins comes in at this price, 
uh, in a team that, despite the fact, Sal, and, and again, I'll let you take over and hit on your top guys at the top of the tier. D- despite the fact that Arizona slow and Cliff Kingsbury slowed it down a little bit last year, I think to cater to Kyler Murray might have gotten over his head a little bit. They still ran a very fast offense. Uh, you know, seconds per snap was one of the highest in the league throughout the season. And now you bring in DeAndre Hopkins, who I'm not saying he'll be the same target monster he was with Deshaun Watson, but he's priced as somebody that doesn't need to be. Uh, and if he's if he's getting away, if they're scheming him away from Richard Sherman a lot of the time, I know the matchup's tough, but if Hopkins comes in at like 4% ownership at that price, I will be there. Who are you going to be on here? Because we haven't even talked about Devontae Adams yet, who his team goes out and drafts a second round running back and a first round quarterback gives him no help at wide receiver. He's going to be another target monster this year. Yeah. Adams above $7,000. It's it's going to be Adams for me. He's just my highest point per dollar guy above that range. And yeah, you pretty much hit on everything. The red zone role is going to be like probably 40% this year, if not higher, if he stays healthy, he was pushing that last year. So yeah, a lot of upside uh, from Adams and there's just, there's nobody in, in Minnesota at this point, they shipped out all their decent players and Xavier Howard wasn't good. They shipped him out uh, or not Xavier Howard, um, Xavier Rhodes. So not a lot there. Mackenzie Alexander in the slot when Adams moves there for like 20% of the time, he's not on the team anymore. So yeah, their secondary is not looking great. So I like Adams. Um, I'll echo on Hopkins that, yeah, if he's really low owned, this happens a lot. He's just matchup proof. Like any matchups that he's ever been in, he's like one of the only guys with probably Adams there too that have gotten the better of Stephon Gilmore multiple times. Um, he's just matchup proof in my opinion. So yeah, I think they'll scheme him away from Sherman, but either way, I'm not too concerned with it. But yeah, above 7,000, like most of those guys are in play. I probably won't have a share of Michael Thomas. I did that a lot last year at these price points. It's just hard, especially if you're not going to stack. So Adams up here and Chris Godwin are probably my favorite above 7K. How about you, Ben? Anything else up top uh, that stands out? Uh, I mean, I will say that I'm not sure I'm going to do this, but everybody, and for good reason, everybody is saying the same thing about Tampa, that Godwin is going to benefit, you know, and I'm leading this, I agree with this, that Brady's deep ball may be dust. Mike Evans is just there, and he is in a high total game. If you want to be different within that stack, not using Godwin would be the way to do that. And you're still talking about a big-time player in Mike Evans. I'm not there with him. I really do think there will be struggles. But if you're higher on Tampa than I am and you want to be different within that stack, you can consider using Mike Mike Evans as leverage. Uh, And that's a weird thing to say, but in – Godwin is just taking all the ownership right now. And I think people are so much higher on him given Brady at QBay. I think Carolina and Las Vegas could end up shooting out. I would not be surprised. This is, this is your prototypical battle between bad defense, bad offense, and one of them has to win out. Right. And oftentimes you'll see a Miami and uh, like a Miami Cincinnati game. What was the game last year where they, where they, was it Miami Cincinnati where it, just absolutely shot out uh, all game. I can't remember, but I know Cincinnati was involved, right? Yeah, I think, uh, it, I think it was them. Right? You, you know what I'm talking about. I there know exactly one, the game you're talking about. Yeah, there was one game where it was just an insane amount of points scored, and you needed it to win. I feel like they uh, tied. There was like a tie, or they went to overtime. I, it I was 35-38. That was it. That was the one. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. So what a game. It was crazy. But that stuff happens. You could run that simulation 100 times, Ben, and 50% of the time, the total comes in like under 38, right? So obviously just throwing numbers out there. But the point is, both of those offenses were pretty bad. The defenses are pretty bad. Um, 
Similar thing stands here with Carolina and Las Vegas. I can't help but wonder if Christian McCaffrey is going to be getting all of this attention. What are our thoughts on somebody like DJ Moore? He's getting some ownership right now, but he's, I'd say DJ Moore is an elite wide receiver. It's a matter of whether or not Teddy Bridgewater can get him the ball competently enough to make it work. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus. Yeah, and I think that. Oh yeah, oh, no, I, ahead, I think sorry. that. Yeah, I think that this this is an unproven secondary in Oakland. Like they have they have nobody there, and like he got it done with Kyle Allen and, and Will Greer last year. So I think that Teddy Bridgewater is an upgrade and a big upgrade for him. So yeah, he was elite last year. I I think he's fine this week. This is the range I'll probably live in for a lot of lineups, stacking wise, whatever it might be. It's just like this six thousand to pretty much right around DJ Moore at sixty six hundred dollar price range. He's gonna have one of the best matchups on the week, and I don't even know who they're gonna try and put on him. Like a lot of these guys in this Oakland secondary are undrafted free agents or like rookies and there's just no names back there. So it's going to be good for this entire team. And yeah, DJ Moore is the one that usually rises to the top. It's a point that people, I, I hear people trying to make the point. They're like, Oh, well, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, he's a game manager and this and that. So he could hurt DJ Moore. And then Sal, like you said, he had real Greer and Kyle Allen last year yeah. and still had huge games. So it's an amazingly Teddy Bridgewater is a considerable upgrade. So, you know, that's uh that's something where people want to talk about, Oh, Teddy Brid- Bridgewater is not good. Sure. But nobody he played with, including a banged up Cam Newton to start the season was actually good. Uh, I'm all over Calvin Ridley this week as well. I, I just think he's underpriced. How about, where do you guys stand? I want to get both your opinions on this. Then we can talk value and go to tight end uh, and wrap this up. Where are you guys at? On um, on Cincinnati wide receivers, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green's at 57, Boyd's at 61. Derwin James is, is out for the year for the Chargers. That's a huge hit to their secondary, but they have good corners there. They can make life difficult uh, for opposing passers and wide receivers. Sal, you first and then Ben. What are we What are we doing with Cincinnati pass catchers today or this week? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's tough early on. Like, if, if anything, I might just take some sort of a chance on A.J. Green and see what he could do. I don't know if they're going to put Casey Hayward on him. There could be a shadow matchup. Casey Hayward will shadow here and there. Uh, it was like half the time he shadows, half the time he doesn't. I don't know if they'll see A.J. Green as, like, a big threat. Uh, it could happen during the game, but nothing really stands out from those guys at all. I mean, they could throw in so many guys, too, from T. Higgins to Auden Tate to John Ross that can kind of filter around. You expect Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green to see the most snaps in Neither of their matchups is that appealing right now for me. Um, I would expect the Casey Hayward treatment and probably some Chris Harris Jr. treatment for Tyler Boyd and just doesn't seem great. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. Helps us out immensely, especially with NFL coming back. It makes it so we can keep doing free content, 
Keep getting more eyes on our shows. Fight that YouTube algorithm. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell as well. If you don't like what we've got here, it's a very simple one-click solution. No longer subscribe. No longer getting notifications. It's a win-win. You can't lose, but I think you'll want to stick around. Ben, any thoughts on Cincinnati? I also just want to say real quick, we got a lot of new people uh, who have joined the show late. You have a couple under an hour left. We are doing a flash sale for NFL. So go to the awesome NFL Twitter handle, click that link. You're going to get a week of NFL. I believe it's for $2 Lafay. Is that what yeah, we're doing? $2 for the entire week. Everything we have awesome. Uh, NFL content. So for a lot of new people watching, if you wonder what's behind the paywall with Alex's tools and projections, Come and check it out for $2 and then decide if you want to stay. Uh, all we ask is give it a try, give it a shot. So no better time to do that. You got about an hour left. But looking at these, who are we talking about here? Where are we? Oh, and oh by the, sorry. Man. By the way, if you don't have Twitter, which you should, you should have Twitter for basketball and you for should. football. Uh, if you don't have it, use Awesome Fantasy, one word. It's all one word. Instead of clicking that link, if you use Awesome Fantasy, A-W-E-S-E-M-O, Fantasy, all one word, you'll get that $2 week at checkout. And while you're at it, hit us up, follow us on Twitter. Uh, always talking sports, always engaging with, all three of us are pretty good. I think enjoy engaging with with the with our followers and, and talking pretty much whatever sports related or anything else. I don't know, throw some shit at me. We'll see if it sticks. At Jazzraz DFS, at Salvetri DFS, myself at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D, right below our heads. But yeah, check out that uh for sure, check out that flash. So you got about 39 minutes to go. Go ahead, Ben. So with Cincinnati, I think Sal summed it up nicely. It's just really difficult to know what they're going to – like, A.J. Green is back. Who knows? Boyd was getting there with pure volume. Those other guys that stepped up last year are still on the roster. It's just, you know, they're really untargetable. And then you have Mixon in the backfield. We'll see what Burrow can do. I'm not really there. I think I'll – probably wait and see. I'm not sure how, how effective that offense will be. And it's very hard to distinguish between those targets. Andrew says, throw some shit question mark. OBJ. Did you see that OBJ stuff? I did. Sal, you're muted. Yeah. You saw yeah I, saw I should it. mute myself for this conversation, <laughs> but yeah. So people were saying it gives Cleveland Browns a whole new meaning. They should be called the Cleveland steamers. Just a oh, wild no. situation. This is the team that we back, Lafay. Like, <laughs> of course, obviously, we think that they can challenge the Ravens for the North somehow. Well, it's I know it's actually a perfect segue, Sal, uh, into the last question I have for you in this mid-tier. By the way, Terry McLaurin, uh, do you, uh, yes or no, because I don't want to go too long for this show. Are you guys interested in McLaurin this week? He's getting quite a bit of ownership. Yes, I am, and uh, you might not like this as an Eagles guy, but I don't think Darius Slay is good, so I like him even more. Ooh, okay. You don't think he's a good cover corner, huh? No, I mean, I thought two years ago he was, but I think he was slipping last year. I think he might be going down the Xavier Rhodes train. I mean, this is the year to see if he does or not. But Well, yeah. you're probably right, because literally every <laughs> time the Eagles bring on a free agent cornerback, he sucks. I'm telling you, look through all of them. Like, bring on a good marquee name. He sucks. There's they Eagles got, uh, fans, and they know yeah, Nambi Asamoa. They knew whoever we brought from Seattle. I always forget his name. Maxwell. Yeah, Maxwell. Thank you, Byron Maxwell. They stink. So it wouldn't surprise me at all, Sal. But let me make that transition to Cleveland. What are your thoughts on Beckham and Landry here? They're both sub-6K. They're the same price on DraftKings. I, I am a believer that Beckham has a bounce-back year. He saw the eighth-most targets in the league last year, second-most targets of 20-plus yards 
Only 10 of 33 were catchable. That will regress positively. Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski will figure this out. They, uh, they, they beefed up their offensive line. I don't know if it's going to be this week, but I'm telling you, Odell Beckham, if he's healthy, is going to have a monster bounce back here. What are your thoughts on him for week one? I mean, it's just the same situation when we talk to me, honestly, about Nick Chubb in this game. You're not going to get the ownership you would because of the matchup, and that's a good thing. But at the same time, Cleveland could be in a tough spot against Baltimore here. So I'm a believer in Odell, I think he does have a better year. I think that Baker will have a better year, and he needs to. So if you want to buy early, I mean, you don't get any earlier than week one, and these prices will rise and react. So I don't hate it. There's just so many guys right above him in that 6K range, though, whether you talk about the target, the guys that we feel confident win, and then, you know, Chap brought up someone like Diggs, who isn't getting a ton of buzz. Don't mind that for tournaments. So I don't know exactly how much room I'll have for Beckham, but I easily could justify the play. All right, Sal, Cleveland? Yeah, I, I'm not too sure right now. I think that, honestly, Landry had success against Humphrey last year, and he had success against everybody. I'd probably lean there, if anything. Odell did had, like, the worst possible year last year from all standpoints. He oh, yeah. Was poor turn, yeah. yeah, and he still goes over 1,000 yards. So I think and he's going to surprise a lot. Of, there. Yeah, exactly. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people this year. I just, i terrified of this Baltimore Ravens secondary in, like, every matchup, so I'll probably stay away from it. Yeah, it's tough. Um, all right, let's do this. Some of our favorite value receivers from, I don't know, 56 and down, or six, down below 6K. I'll throw a couple out there. I do like T.Y. Hilton a lot. Uh, I think he could have a huge game here. Everyone just views him as a deep threat, which he is, but he's a very, very skilled route runner. T.Y. Hilton can line up anywhere on the field. Uh, I think they're going to find ways to utilize him quite a bit. Uh, McLaurin against Philly. We talked about him. The cheaper guys, Henry Ruggs, I think he should be a little bit cheaper, but if you want to toss him out there, I get it. I love Deshaun Jackson against Washington. Deshaun is Deshaun's one of my favorite wide receiver plays this week. Below 5K, no Rager, no Jeffrey. Um, last year, first game, the only game he played, 250-plus yard touchdowns against this Redskins team. I think uh, Wentz is going to air it out. So those are a few of mine that I really like. Uh, Sal, and then we'll go to you, Ben, to close out the position. Yeah, early on, I think Chris Godwin has the best matchup on the week, but after that, it might be Deshaun Jackson against the Washington secondary. But yeah, Deshaun Jackson, I'll echo that. I'll add in DK Metcalf at $5,800. And then going pretty low now into the 3K range. I think, yeah, he's in the 3K range. I'm going to go Paris Campbell here. A lot of hype in camp, a lot of expectations last year. He got hurt, really didn't do much. Um, and he's pretty much like a, a Chris Godwin, plus size slot wide receiver. I'm not shocked. I would be... Not maybe shocked, uh, but maybe surprised if Campbell's the best receiver on this team by the end of the year. And he's $3,900 to start the week against Jacksonville. All right. How about you, Ben? So I'm certainly going to echo those thoughts, particularly on Jackson. I do think, though, if you're looking on PPR just for some safety, you can go to guys like Cole Beasley, Hunter, Renfro types uh, who, you know, work out of the slot, decent matchups, can rack up the receptions. I don't know how big those ceilings are unless they somehow find the end zone but I wouldn't be stunned to see, you know, seven or eight catches for 60 yards, something like that. And you roll the dice and hope that maybe they break one or they do find a red zone target or two. So again, those are guys I'll pay down for, maybe try to steal some salary. All right. Let's uh, wrap it up here with a little, little tight end discussion. George Kittle, Ben, is really expensive. Okay. 
there's another big gap there from him to Mark Andrews. We're seeing it at each position. But the okay, so let me let me let me step back. They are absolutely beat to shit at wide receiver. Debo Samuel, um, I, I don't think he's gonna play. He still hasn't been participating in practice. Uh Brandon Ayuk is not participating. He's hopeful that he can return. I don't know. But, you know, what do you expect from someone like him uh, to open up the season? They, they are hurting here. This really feels like a spot where they go run heavy and pepper George Kittle with targets. Can we make sense of getting to him at this price point? Against an Arizona team, by the way, that last year was so bad against tight ends that, I don't know, it's almost like we hadn't seen that in recent memory, how bad they were against the position. Yeah, historically bad. Uh, can you get there? I mean, absolutely. It's just there's an opportunity cost. If you take George Kittle, you're not going to be getting the Christian McCaffrey Julios of the world, or as many of them, I should say. So uh, I have no problem with that. But there's targets if you work down and, you know, you're saving two, $3,000 in some instances if you go to a guy like Hurst, uh, if you want to go to even Ertz, uh, guys like that, Waller, you're saving to twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars. So Kittle's in play in all formats if you have the money, but there are other cheap tight ends that are definitely viable. So I, I tend to agree with with Ben here, but I, I'll say it, very seldom am I concerned about fading a top tier tight end at this price. But th- this is definitely one of those games where Kittle could go off for like 150 and two touchdowns on nine receptions or something insane. Yeah, exactly. Like he, he's in play. He's the highest projected tight end. Um, but I, I agree with Ben is saying there. I'd rather just pay up for other spots. And like the same argument can be made for Zach Ertz. The team is depleted and he's going to see double digit targets, right? So $5,800, yeah. I prefer Zach Ertz. Um, if you're going to be paying up at that point, I prefer him to Andrews and all these guys, just because I think it's the same thing. It's what you saw last year at Ertz down the stretch. They just had to pepper him not only in between the twenties, but in the red zone with targets, usually around 10 plus. And it's as good of a matchup for Ertz as it's probably going to get, as long as he gets into that secondary of Washington. They didn't have a deep threat last year, but I still think you're right about Ertz. Darren Waller too. How about Darren Waller? He's, he's, he's up there a little bit in price, but, this is 1,150-yard receiver, our, our pass catcher last year. He, he was not getting into the end zone, but touchdowns are hard to predict. It's very difficult to know when these guys are going to break out uh, in the touchdown department. He had a ton of opportunity, a ton of targets. Uh, I think he surprised everybody with his speed. I forget which game it was where he had that monster. Uh, oh, no, it was Denver in week 17, right? Yeah, 75-yard catch and run. He's really good. So I, I agree with both of you guys that you can get away from Kittle. I still want to have a little bit of him, though, uh, because I think this matchup is really, really spectacular, and they're so depleted. They're more depleted than Philly. Like, they don't have anybody outside of Kittle right now. What are we doing at the rest of the position, Ben? So, like I said, the good thing about tight end this week is you have guys at every position in terms of salary and price point. You can pay all the way up for Kittle. Then we talked about Waller and Ertz. Well, if I work down, you you have guys like Jack Doyle in the in the 3K range. I love Jack Doyle. Like he should see a ton of work against a Jacksonville team that they don't have. I'm not worried. That defense is awful. Uh so pending that he gets the targets with no Ebron there anymore, that's a great spot. If you want to go aggressive, 
I've been waiting. It feels like years for Chris Herndon to stay on the field and all indications are that he's not seriously injured. He got nicked up, but I, I think he should be good to go against Buffalo. If you want to buy early at 3,300, no matter what your roster looks like, you will have a couple guys that you can plug in and I think feel pretty good about it uh, this week. I don't want to. I don't want to exaggerate what we should expect from Jack Doyle this year, uh, Sal. But we we should acknowledge that Eric Ebron cut into his workload a ton the year before Eric Ebron came to Indy, 2017. Jack Doyle saw 108 targets in 15 games. Um, he was frequently targeted in the red zone, uh, and now you've got somebody who, in Frank Reich who has turned or who has worked with a lot of really good tight ends and used them frequently from Antonio Gates to Zach Ertz to Jack Doyle, not being an elite tight end by any stretch, but having a quarterback in Phillip Rivers, how do you really work to, to, to accommodate him, especially given his struggles with the long ball? No one threw more interceptions on deep passes last year than Phillip Rivers. I think Jack Doyle could, could be worked into this offense quite a bit this season. Yeah, and, and Philip Rivers in, in the red zone for tight ends uses his tight ends more than maybe anybody else in the league, at least so far to this point in his career. So I like Jack Doyle a lot. There's four guys that I listed as guys that like right away for the show look good to me. Um, projection wise, Ertz, Herndon Haste, uh, Jack Doyle and Chris Herndon. So we've touched on most of those guys. Yeah, Doyle is going to fit a lot of things. The Jacksonville secondary, like maybe Miles Jack is the guy that takes the tight ends. I think he's like the only name that people will remember at this point because they've just let their whole defense go. And then, yeah, Herndon's in a brutal matchup. It doesn't look good. That's why I prefer Doyle because he's just as cheap. Um, but it's $3,300 for an offense that has just Crowder and just Herndon that are going to be coming into the year healthy. A rookie in Mims. I mean, it seems like Chris Hogan's going to start over Mims. Perriman, who's been banged up and, and might just get taken out of this game by Tredavious White. So I think the middle of the field is where Sam Darnold's going to have to attack. It could just be Crowder catching 10-plus balls, but I think Herndon's going to have his chances, especially in the red zone. All right, good stuff. Anybody else, Ben? No, I mean, we'll see what opens up. But for the most part with tight end, I don't I don't like to spread too much. You, you've got the big name players and then you have your salary savers. Did anyone mention Ian Thomas? I is he banged up? Not. I saw he was hurt. I don't know. Yeah, if but he should be. They're saying thing. he should be ready for week one. I just think okay, it's kind then. of interesting because he's super cheap and he's, it, he's it could be one. a game that shoots out. I've been waiting for that guy. It feels like for five years too. <laughs> like, that's fair. I just wanted to get his name out there. I yeah, he fits into that same mold. I, I think he fits into that same mold for me. Um, like other guys around there would be a little bit more expensive at Dallas Goddard. I would prefer Herndon and Doyle, but then probably Thomas would be third in the three K range. I'll give you a guy that I'm not on for week one, but could end up being pretty competent over the course of the season is uh, Irv Smith Jr. Keep an eye on that fella. As we work our way uh, into the year, second year tight end, first year tight end, these guys struggle. All right, uh, Jordan Klein producing the show. Pretty appreciate you, Jordan. Let's flip it over to defense special teams, uh, and we'll only spend a second here. Let's just let, let's look over a couple spots that at the top and the bottom that we want to target. I always, I don't know, Ben. The first thing I do when I'm looking at, at these is I scroll to the bottom and see if there's any defenses that I really like. Uh, or that I'm, or that I are palatable, right? That I'm willing to look at. I, it sounds crazy. All right, you want my hot take? You have with Trubisky. I'll match it. Uh, Two thousand oh, dollar minimum salary Miami Dolphins defense. I will have some of them this week. I'm just okay. throwing it out there. Cam Newton. Um, yeah, well, listen. Because they could get they could get trashed, 
Or it could be like, oh, wait, Cam Newton still is erratic, is still throwing picks, and this Miami team loves Brian Flores, and they're going to play for him. No, but in all seriousness, uh, I think at minimum salary, that would be the one team I'd go to uh, if I'm going all the way into the basement. Go ahead. Defense is outrageously fluky. Uh, You can pay down, and you just hope – you want opportunities. So guys, even though I'm a Josh Allen guy, I think if you want to get crazy, the Jets defense, like Josh Allen does crazy things on the field. Um, He's going to make some big plays. He's also going to lateral it out of bounds in the middle of a playoff game, as we've seen. So so bad. That was one that we should do a separate (laughs) show just on that play. Um, You know, you've got Carolina against the Raiders. I, I don't think that's crazy. Obviously if you have the salary, you know, you take like the Niners and teams that are really poised to do some damage, but don't be afraid to take some some cheap throws and hope that you get opportunities for turnovers. All right. How about you, Sal? Close us out. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go with maybe a hot take. I don't know. I really I was coming into this thinking that the Washington football team's defense would not be minimum priced, but they are. And I like them. I like their defensive line. I think this game plays a little bit closer. Look, I just want pressure. That's all that it comes down to for $2,000. And Eagles offensive line is banged up. Washington's defensive line is on paper, like top five in the league, arguably top three right now with the talent that they have. And all I'm looking for is pressure at this point. I don't care if they give up like 20, 25 points. So that's the spot I'm looking at. And then more like reasonably priced, probably the Chargers. Okay. Mike Bourne says, Sal, what's your DFS tag? I want to send you a head-to-head. I guess that's in response to the Washington thing. Wait, really? I I get it. I just, you don't need to be, you you could be so wrong on a team that seems so perfect for for defense. For example, look at the top here. You've got a lot of teams that are priced up. San Francisco's 3,500. Okay, they were ranked really high last year. They're good. Would you be at all surprised if the San Francisco defense finished with like five fantasy points? course not no no you just wouldn't be so i don't mind going down to the bottom sometimes and by the way sometimes all you need is a pick six or a scoop and score they can allow 30 points if you had if you allow 30 points and you had three interceptions and a pick six you're gonna have more points than the team ben that that allows seven points and you know doesn't have any turnovers so that's why you want to you want guys who are really volatile. Like for, for cash, of course, take the team that should just dominate and, and only allow 14 points and get some sacks. For tournaments, you want the team where you know the other quarterback is going to be throwing deep balls and, and big time plays because that's where you get your opportunities to make those tournament winning plays. Well, boys, we did it. First strategy show of the season is in the books. What do we do here? Like an hour, almost an hour and a half? I think that seems about right. It's appropriate. Well, we'll cut it off here. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Got about 450 people watching the first show. We got basketball and baseball going on, so we appreciate all of you stopping by to watch some NFL content. Hopefully you're as excited for the season as we are. Remember, you've got 22 minutes. If you're just jumping in, got the $2 flash sale. Awesomeo Fantasy, I think, is the code. Is it? Yeah, Awesomeo Fantasy, one word, or go to Awesomeo underscore com on Twitter to get that in. Hit that like on your way out. Subscribe in the notification bell, and follow all of us on Twitter at Salvetri DFS at Jazzraz DFS and at Lafi underscore D. We will see it back here very soon tomorrow on the NFL Strategy Show, two thirty p.m. PGA Show coming up soon. <laughs>